It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We have got a lot to cover. We're basically right on the very beginning of the ice fishing season, so we've got full lake reports all across the state, not only on ice conditions, but where we can fish, and if the fish are cooperating. We'll also recap the St. Paul Ice Show, plus talk to Matt Brewer about his favorite fish and some of the myths about the burbot slash eel pout. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show. And we'll get things started with our local report, and uh, helping us out with that this winter is going to be Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And, of course, in the past, Jason has uh, given us uh, the report up on Leech Lake, but we're going to kind of expand his duties uh, this year and talk a little bit about the immediate Brainerd Lakes area as well. Jason, uh, thanks for helping out, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again this year, Brian. I'm looking forward to another fun winter. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're we're making ice, aren't we? We are, yes. It's uh seems like every day, I mean, this coming week or the week that we're in right now, we've got uh, 20s, and I think uh, Thursday is looking like it's going to be down in the teens. And, I mean, I looked at the 10, 15-day forecast, and every day is highs in the mid-20s and lows in the night in the single digits and low teens. So with that, ice is getting made every day. That's good to hear. Do we have fishable ice here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area? We do, yeah. Yep. I mean, a lot of the smaller lakes people are getting out on now. Uh, obviously lakes, um, bays like 371 Bay on North Long is one of the first ones to freeze up and typically gets the first, you know, foot traffic, uh, you know, round. A lot of guys get out there early as well. I know there's been some reports of, of some decent ice out on Gull. Um, you know, one thing you always got to be cautious about on Gull Lake is there is some current areas and, uh, Gull always kind of has a few spots you got to really be careful of. And, you know, so I think it's, uh, it's best early in the season on a lot of these lakes to, you know, go out on foot first, uh, get an idea, you know, kind of how the ice is. Uh, never never assume, you know, and, uh, and, and check, check as you go, especially if you haven't seen footprints, if you haven't seen tracks, if you haven't seen, you know, four-wheelers, snowmobiles, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and just use, use caution and just be smart. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the small lakes are always where, uh, you know, I like to focus on early in the season just because, you know, they freeze up well. And then as the bigger lakes get a little bit more solid and, and solidified, you can start getting out onto those too. The one spot that always seems to attract a lot of people early season uh, is that uh, 371 Bay on North Long there, Jason. Are you seeing uh, that usual crowd accumulate out there? Yep. You know, there's always a nice crowd out there. And, you know, 371 Bay is definitely a place for um, early season panfish, especially, you know, bluegills, sunfish. Uh, there's there can be some nice crappies in there. You know, you catch a few walleyes here and there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it's shallower, so it freezes up pretty well. It doesn't get a whole lot of wind. It seems like you know this time of year when the the lakes are starting to freeze up, and you're always going to find a kind of a congregation out there. And you know the best best advice is obviously see where people are and, and kind of what structures they're on, but then you know try to go off and drill some of your own holes and get away from the crowd and, and let some of those fish get pushed to you. But um, yeah, I mean it's always one of the more common places to be, uh, Margaret. Is another place that gets a lot of uh, early pressure because uh, it f- typically freezes up pretty well, and, and some of the smaller lakes up and around Nisswa too. And then one thing on that 371 Bay in North Long, I, I've tried to preach this here a couple of years in a row now. That thing has been just hammered through the last five or six, seven years, Jason. So people that are out there, I mean, use some common sense. I mean, don't you know, practice. I don't want to say practice catch and release, but I mean, you know, you want to be conservative to some point. You know, I, I agree, you know, and there's definitely great debates out there. And, you know, you look at some of the lakes, you know, I, I'm a big believer in uh, especially panfish. And, you know, and I got to spend some time in the boat with uh, with Mike Hayner from Litter Media last year, and he's a big panfish nut, and he really educated me on a lot of things about panfish in these lakes and, and what we need to do. And if you look at a lot of these lakes that have, you know, five – five fish you know limits for panfish um, like sylvan is a really good example where there's a five fish limit it, it, it's it's a proven fact that i mean these fish if, if you put them back especially the the adults um you know the very mature gills and the mature crappies and stuff you are going to to create a population of really quality fish and if you don't what's going to happen is you're going to just going to stunt the population and so i i, I agree you know i mean it's funny because we get so um worked up about walleye harvest and, you know, this last year with pike and, and in bass, you know, whether people can keep bass or not keep bass, but we always kind of forget about the panfish. And in, and in the wintertime, it is probably the most targeted species out of any species by anglers uh, because typically they are easier to catch and easier to locate and some of those things. And so you're right. I mean, I, I totally agree. It's just a matter of, you know, using selective harvest and, and, uh, you know, then take home what you need to take home, but, you know, also look out for our fisheries because ice fishing is one of the fastest growing sports within the fishing industry. And the more people get out there, the more people that are taking fish, obviously. And so if everybody is willing to, to be selective, it, it, to me, it's like waiting for, uh, waiting for the big buck, you know, during deer season. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you want to shoot a nice buck, you got to be patient. You got to let other fish, you know, other, other deer go. And it's kind of like, uh, if you want to catch a 15, 16 inch crappie, you know, the only, the only way to catch 15, 16-inch crappies is to let those other crappies go and let them get to that size, you know. So when you are fishing some of these community holes, and they, they do get, you know, hit pretty hard at times. And, and uh, you know, if you know if, if you want to keep some, keep some and fry them up and, and have a good meal. And uh, But at the same time, let's all be conservationists and look out for our resources. Well put, uh, Jason. Let's head north up to Leech Lake. Uh, what are you hearing up there? Uh, you know, Leech Lake uh, has been froze now for about three weeks now on the uh, south end of the main lake out of uh, the Trapper's Landing area down by Pipe Island, uh, Olson's Reef in that area. And they've got up to about 10 inches of ice down there right now. Um, you know, the, uh, the, w- the western side of the lake, uh, out off of Pine Point in that area, there's some, there's some quality ice people are getting out there uh, anywhere from 7 to, you know, 8, 9 inches. And then in Walker Bay, uh, Walker Bay is still hit or miss. There's still open water in Walker Bay. Um, it, uh, it's, Walker Bay is a goofy bay. It, it, uh, it freezes and then it unfreezes and then it gets a little bit of wind. And I was just up in Walker on, uh, on uh, Tuesday evening and I got up there before dark and I drove around a little bit and there was still open water. And so it's a deeper, obviously, as we've talked about, it's a very deep bay. Um, and it, it, uh, it gets a little tricky. So right now there isn't really any traffic going out in Walker Bay. Everybody's still kind of 
kicking the tires, waiting to get out there, and most of the traffic is out on the main lake off of Pine Point, Stony Point, and uh, in the big lake down off the south end by Trapper's Landing. And then you, you mentioned you know, some of those smaller lakes, and we've talked about this on the show too, up around Leech Lake, there's a ton of those smaller lakes that people can want to hit if they don't want to venture out on the big water. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, you get up in and around the Hackensack, Longville areas, um, you, I mean, it is endless, and that's one of my, we've talked about that before, one of my favorite things to do is to get out on those, those smaller lakes, you know. And so when you wait for these big lakes like this, I mean, the, the, on a big lake like Leech, that ice will shift and move and open up and cracks and heaves and, and you got deep water and shallow water, and sometimes it's just best to wait until you know things are you know solid and, and you can get out there and, and go and take advantage of these lakes. And, you know, if, if you're going to go fish some of these smaller lakes right now, um, you know, I just identify the basin areas, and, and those, those crappies and those gills are either going to be um, either you're going to be in the basin, or I would say uh, they're probably not going to quite be there right now. They're either going to be on the edge of the basin or right on the edge of the weeds um, where, the, where their closest weed flat is. And so, it, uh, you know, with a little bit of work and a little bit of drilling, you can find those fish. And, and then some of these lakes have bonus walleyes in them, too. You know, they're not huge walleye populations, but you can set up on traditional walleye structure in the evenings and early morning on underwater points and, and underwater humps and, and put some really nice walleyes on the ice as well. Two or one last question, two-part question, uh, Jason, before we let you go. Early season, early ice presentations that you like to use, both crappie and walleye. Uh, you know, for panfish, I'm a, I'm a plastics guy uh, as much as I can. Um, I, I want to whole hop around. Um, if, if I so, I'm going to use like a tungsten jig and a, and a plastic of some sort. Uh, you know, if, if the bite gets a little bit tough, I'll switch over and have you know wax worms or, or spikes along with me. But that's going to be my go-to as well as my my number two for a crappie is going to be a small jigging spoon that I can either tip with a plastic or it's a, or just uh, some maggots or something along those. Lions, and then for walleyes, it's uh, it's honestly it's going to be just a jigging spoon. Uh, there's so many out there right now, and then having a dead stick, uh, either with me in the fish house or setting a tip up out away from me on a on a small piece of the structure and trying to uh, utilize that as well. You know, this time of year you don't have a lot of snow on the ice. Um, the ice, fish are still kind of spooky. Um, you know, depending on sunlight and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I like to, if I'm in a house, I'll have a dead stick with just either a hook and a split shot. Or a, or a glow jig, or I'm going to have a tip-up set up uh, not far from me that I can quietly walk to and, and kind of cover the water column a little bit more. So there you go. Great stuff from Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com as well as all over social media. And as I said in the open, Jason is going to join us throughout the winter with uh, the report here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area and covering Leech Lake as well. I really appreciate you doing this, uh, Jason, taking the time. You're a busy guy, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right. When we come back, we're going to head up north. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji will join us. He's got the latest up there. We'll recap a little bit of the St. Paul Ice Show and talk a little bit about his favorite fish, and that would be the burbot. When we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we head north to Bemidji. For the Up North Report, and as always, Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji, and uh, Matt always keeping a very close eye on things going on up there. And here's what we're going to talk to Matt about. Uh, we're going to get into one of his favorite species to fish, and that is eel pile. We're going to kind of do a myths and legends type of thing with that here coming up in just a bit. Uh, also, we got ice conditions and fishing reports, some of our favorite northern lakes like Cass, Lake Bemidji, Winnie, 
uh, even Red Lake, and Matt's going to weigh in on that for or two. But first, Matt, I guess uh, speaking of the shows, the one question I wanted to ask you uh, about those, any one common thing with all of these different events that you're at that you're noticing anglers are interested in? Is there any new product out or just anything that, that really kind of catches your eye that everybody together is really interested in? Every year, the I mean, we all know how the the ice industry is evolving and and products just keep popping out new stuff new stuff new stuff and and the common theme that i see is whatever's new and uh seems intriguing is is kind of the talk of of every show so like there's all there's always something cool and gimmicky there's always something you know very innovative there's always some little tweak or some competitor comes out with a a product that is similar to something that's been on the market for a while and we talked about that in St. Paul, how every, everybody is there to see the new stuff. And, uh, you know, it's obviously fun to see new products and see the the uh, industry change and, and all these new innovations and whatnot. But, uh, but that seems to be the most common theme. I, I guess it has become less, less chatter about fishing and more chatter about products. And that's what the shows are supposed to be. You're supposed to be talking about product, not so much fishing, but... Uh, but it definitely has has evolved in that way. Does it get as a pro angler and a guide, Matt? Does it get a little overwhelming with all the new products every year coming out, just trying to keep up? No, not at all. I have them all just stuck right in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was sense a little bit of sarcasm there. Uh, it's just a tad bit. The meter yeah, is in no the right. red. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was a heck of a lot easier when there were like uh, you know basically three ice rods on the market that. And that were quality and, and worthwhile, and and uh, you know you only had two or three vexillars to choose from, and uh, life was a heck of a lot easier when it comes to to the retail world and and sales and talking talking product back then. But uh, I'm ashamed to say this, but I was working the ice team booth and and uh, was looking at some of the new clam products before the doors opened, and I'm like when did we come out with this? And it turns out it was a product that I really, really am interested in and and uh, have to have. And it turns out we came out with them three years ago. And that, that tells you how many products there are, you know, how many SKUs companies have now. I mean, I'm I'm dealing with clam product on a, on a daily basis all winter long. And for me to not know one of them was, was pretty crazy. But there's so much stuff out there. And you walk walk through the ice show i didn't even get to see everything at the ice show this year in st paul but there are products out there that i didn't know existed and you know i'd be out to lunch with someone and we walk past the booth and i'd be like oh that looks cool and they're like oh, yeah it's been out for a few years so it, it does get a little overwhelming i mean if someone really wanted to figure out what's all going on in the ice show or in the ice world and you went to the ice show it would take you it would take you a full day easily um to get through every booth and figure out what's out there, who's out there, uh, what's going on. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that you're you know stumbling across products that you thought were brand new that could be three years old because I felt so stupid last year. I'm interviewing Dave Gens, and uh, we're talking about some of the new jigs that were out on the market, and I'm you know mentioning these and these and the brand new this and this, and he goes, you know those have been out about three, four years now. No clue. <laughs> so I, I don't feel so bad now. And I'm I'm sure there's other people that may be listening that are like, ooh, yeah, yep. I'm glad Matt said it because <laughs> right. it gets it gets tough um, to keep track of absolutely everything. We do our best, but uh, but we can't we can't all know exactly 
everything that's out there. You need to talk to one of the product reps or in-house employees, then you'll get you'll get the rundown from that company. But one last thing on the St. Paul Ice Show, Matt, attendance uh, broke some single-day records, and you're thinking that somewhere maybe around twenty thousand for the overall attendance. Yeah, I know Friday was uh, was an all-time high by like 170-ish, and uh, and Saturday I, I think was over a thousand more than than any other any other Saturday and Sunday was one of the craziest Sundays I've ever seen. It was very, very, very busy. And if I just try to rough bounce the numbers in my head, I'm think, thinking it's somewhere, you know, well, well over 15, closer to 20,000. So that's crazy. So obviously anglers, germs. Oh, I, I would imagine. So a lot of Purell being used, I bet. Uh, yeah. But uh, I would imagine now that anglers obviously have the, Itch to get out on the ice up by you, uh, Matt. A little bit cooler temps than we've had here in the Brainerd Lakes area. You've got quite a bit of fishable ice up there. Yeah, I mean, we've been out since well before Thanksgiving, and the ice only continues to grow. Even even on our milder days, you know, if it gets up to 30, 31, 32 during the day, we're still dropping into the, the teens at night. Um, like today, it was almost 30 degrees, and I saw that the low for tonight is 1 degree. So we've got a, a little system that's going to be coming through here tonight or over the weekend at least, and, and things are going to cool off, and we're really going to make some ice. And uh, and that's just kind of how it's been rocking, and we haven't had any of those you know really warm days that are melting anything. Just warm enough to, to knock some of the snow down, which is perfect. And uh, and it's been windy enough uh, on the days it has been snowing that it's kind of blowing it around. So our ice is really good. We're looking at you know close to ten inches on the main the main body of water, Lake Bemidji. Um, we haven't ventured out to the middle yet, but uh, but the edges are looking really good. People can can get smaller houses or at least uh, or at least walkers or snowmobile or four wheeler out to that first break and and uh, not have too much concern. But obviously, always got to check. Even even in the middle of January, you should always be looking at ice conditions and, and being safe. So all the smaller panfish lakes right now are, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Early ice, they're putting out fish, and uh, some big fish are biting, some really big numbers. The walleye bite has been, you know, it's been pretty decent. You know, until we start venturing out to some of the the more remote stuff on Lake Bemidji, some of the mid lake humps and stuff. We we don't really know exactly how the bite is going to be, and I just haven't had time to to do that. I would love to be out there this weekend, but I I'm uh, I'm show bound. So, but the people fishing shoreline breaks, they're catching a few fish every night, which tells me that the the feed is on, and and if we can get on the numbers over top of those numbers, I I'm guessing they're going to bite pretty well. So it should set up to be a good early early rental season for us too. Well, it's good to hear. So uh, one last thing, Matt, uh, you had an article that was uh, in Star Tribune. Uh, I encourage people to check it out. You can head to uh, North Country Guide Services Facebook page and check it out there. Uh, and that is on the fish that's near and dear to your heart, and that would be the eel pout, a.k.a. burbot. This is kind of interesting. I, I kind of wanted to do like a myths and legends type of thing with you, Matt, because uh, we've talked uh, eel pout many times on the show and, and your love for them. There are some things, and you still talk to anglers to this day, there's certain reasons why they want nothing to do with them, and one of them is the fact that people think that they're going to curl around your arm when you pull them out of the hole. Is that the case? <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, the the whole thing that sparked the article in the Star Trib was uh, Dennis Anderson saw the, the slate of speakers, um, and I did my my seminar at the ice show on on the rise uh, and potential fall of the burbot 
in Minnesota and how it's become such a popular fish and uh you know and and we touched on a lot of the stigmas and uh and myths around it uh the fish itself and uh, yeah that was one of the things that you know everybody always says oh they're so gross they pull them out of the hole and they curl around your arm and while they may try to do so and they they have the the skeletal structure to do so um they're too fat they <laughs> they just simply cannot wrap all the way around your arm unless you actually positioned it just right on your wrist or forearm and they they are curly fish they love coming up the hole backwards and and they can curl themselves into a into a complete circle but uh but they aren't going to wrap around your arm and they're not a boa constrictor so so there's one myth down uh there's one thing how did you be, get this love affair with burbot matt is it something that goes back a ways yeah i mean i was when I was a kid, unlike the woods, you caught burbot all the time, and uh, my dad used to cut the line, and then finally he started letting us bring them in, and then, um, you know, as I became a fisherman of my own, instead of uh, one of my dad's minions on the ice, <laughs> I, I started, you know, uh, enjoying catching them. They, they fight really hard, and my biggest, my biggest pump for them is that in Minnesota, you'd be hard-pressed hard to find uh, a fish that is going to give you a fight anywhere near as close uh, or as hard a, as a burbot. You know, you, you can get on some of the lake trout, um, but, you know, you think lake trout, it's more Canada-driven. And uh, in Minnesota itself, you know, a burbot is going to give you a really good fight. Pike, they fight, but they they don't fight like a burbot. A burbot digs for the bottom the entire time, constant head shakes. Um, and isn't that what we're all after is, something to pull on the end of the line and give us the struggle. It's all about the fight for me. And once I figured out that I can go catch those, you know, catching eight, uh, five to 10 pound burbot sounded a heck of a lot more fun than catching 50, uh, one pound crappies. So <laughs> it's, it's just the tug, the tug is the drug. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good way of putting it. Uh, and you actually had a term for him in the article. I thought was really interesting. You called him a working man's fish. Yeah. It's something, you know, if I'm working day shift, I can get off four thirty, five o'clock. I can go home, have have supper with my family, and I can still load up the truck afterwards and, and go hit the ice or load up the sled and go hit the ice, and and I can go catch burbot and I can fish them until bedtime and then go home and go to bed. And you know, they're not they're not something like I need to get off work early during our short winter daylight hours, and uh, I don't, I don't need to. To take off and and make sure that I have all my gear ready and change clothes at work and get on the ice before the sun hits the trees. I don't need to do that. It's, they're they're waiting for you. Whenever you can get there is the best time to burbot fish. Pretty simple tactic and presentation, Matt. Yeah, for anyone who fishes walleyes, you know, just use your walleye gear and make sure that you are using a spoon that glows and maybe up uh, up the size a little bit because you want something that's going to move water and and make vibration and and cause a ruckus down there because burbot do not see all that well, so you're relying on vibration and scent. So pack the minnows on heavy and make your presentation big and jig away. Yeah, you said they're basically blind. Basically. I mean, they're not, obviously, but uh, they're similar to a catfish. They just they don't see very well, and a burbot has very small eyes, and they have no, no pearlescent or luminescent coating, so they they don't absorb as much uh, light as something like a walleye does. So they, 
they, they don't they don't use their eyes to feed. And then one last thing on it, Matt, you mentioned the rise and then you mentioned the fall too. With the popularity jumping up the way it is for people and anglers now it's becoming table fair uh, with eel pout. What are some of the things that you would tell anglers to be careful of to make sure that we can sustain what we have? Well, one one thing, and I touched upon on this on my during my seminar as well, and I don't care which side of the fence you're on when it comes to global warming, but uh, the fact is our lakes are warmer. The fish just can't survive during during the really really warm months of summer, dog days of summer. They can't survive if if the deep water is is warming. So um, so that's something we can't you know necessarily really control uh, as an angler. The numbers are just fading off a little bit, just like much like tulipies. You can't deny that tulipies die when it gets when it gets warm, and that's because that deep water just isn't as cool as it needs to be to keep them uh, keep them where they need to be uh, from a temperature standpoint. But us as anglers, we need to respect the fish, and um, you know, don't don't dump them on the ice. We still have people doing that, and you team up people who are unknowledgeable when it comes to the fish that are still dumping dumping fish on the ice and leaving them and letting them die. Uh, team that with anglers who are going out and actually targeting them and now keeping them and eating them. Um, you know, that kind of, it, it, it makes for a bad recipe for us. So throw them back, be, be somewhat selective. You know, if you got a good breeding fish, throw it back and uh, keep the keep the sizes that, that you think are going to be better for eating and, and not not fish that are going to lay a bunch of eggs and just try to try to be a little bit selective and that's all we can do and uh and educate yourself on on the fish itself and its breeding habits and when the best time of year is to keep them and what size is best to keep and, and go from there one last thing matt you mentioned that uh somebody maybe that's new and wants to try and go after them but what what do you necessarily throw back and what do you keep if i see a really skinny um really skinny like two to three pound male, I, I'm probably going to keep that fish if I'm looking for a meal. Um, a really fat female that's in that six to seven, eight, nine pound range, I'm, I'm obviously going to throw that fish back because that fish is, you know, it's in the prime of its life. It has a very high percentage of viable eggs that it lays. Um, whereas, you know, maybe a 15, 16 pound fish that looks ragged and beat up, while it may lay a lot of eggs because of its size, the percentage goes down on how, how viable those eggs are and, and uh, the percentage of those eggs that are actually going to fertilize and become baby burbots. So, um, you know, you're kind of your smaller to medium-sized fish and then, and then anything uh, that you feel is gigantic that, uh, that is, you know, probably past its prime and on its downfall um, is kind of where it's at. I like those... I like those two to four pound fish myself. Those are uh, those are the the best eating, and especially if I see one that doesn't have a really good big gut, they're not as hard to clean when they're when they're thinner. And uh, and I know that that size range is about perfect. So. And those that maybe you're lucky enough to uh, catch some, Matt, want to take some home for a meal, uh, and don't know how to clean them. Do you still have the video up on uh, North Country Guide Service YouTube channel? Yeah, there's been enough videos of me cleaning burbot down over the years that. Uh, that you can definitely uh, go to YouTube and 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 uh, and punch that in the search bar, and you're you're probably going to find me cleaning a burbot or two. So, <laughs> um, pretty simple, and then and then cook.
cooking them up is easy. You just boil them in some water and dip them in some butter, just like uh, you would crab legs or imitation crab is uh, more probably a similar taste. But, uh, but yeah, they're delicious and, and fun as heck to catch. So there you go. Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check Matt out at northcountryguides.com. And as I said, he's all over social media as well. Matt, I appreciate it. Good stuff as always, and we will check in next week, okay? Sounds good. And we'll have more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. It's been a while since we've talked to our uh, good friend Brian Koshinina with Muskies and More Guide Service down in the Twin Cities. But uh, Brian did reach out to me earlier this week, said, hey, we got some ice down here that's fishable. You want to talk about it? So I thought, why not? Welcome back to the show, Brian. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brian. Glad to be back. How was, uh, before we get into that with you being with Muskies and More Guide Service, how was the uh, end of fall and the, the last uh, weeks of muskie season? That always seems to be prime time. Did that work out okay for you, or was it pretty tough? Well, it was kind of funny because everybody was talking ice, uh, you know, ice fishing, ice everything, and I was actually breaking ice. Um, <laughs> I, the last time I got out, uh, you know, we were breaking ice right, right down in the, in, the, in the little bay there, and um, I got into Grace Bay and had three fish follow, but uh, unfortunately they kind of took a lazy look at it and, and just kind of swam away, and that's when I knew it was time to put, in the, put, put the boat away. So, yeah, and it seemed like, you know, it was kind of a, a goofy weather patterns and stuff that really, I know talking to Steve out in Mille Lacs and, and a few other anglers uh, further up north, uh, I was a little tricky towards uh, the end of fall this year. Would you say the same thing down by you? Oh, definitely, definitely. I, that, that water temp just dropped way too fast, and I, I think it really turned the fish, uh, you know, almost lethargic-like, you know, getting ready for winter. And, um, you know, we had a few good days, a few good outings out there where we, we saw and caught a lot of fish. Um, and then, you know, it was just like, bam, it was done. Um, there, you know, usually you can get into a gradual, you know, they're biting really well. And then, the, you know, the temp gets into like the, the upper or upper thirties, lower forties. And, you know, the bite starts to kind of calm down a little bit. And, uh, we didn't even have it this, this year. It was, it was pretty much just a straight drop down and, you know, now we have fishable ice. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into that here in just a second. Before that, though, we're uh, into the heart of show season as well. You were at the St. Paul Ice Show, which was last weekend. You've got the uh, Duluth Ice Show, which we've talked about here on the show as well. Uh, that's coming up this weekend at the Deck in Duluth. Tell me about the St. Paul Show. That's always very well attended, I would imagine, this year and not much different. No, it was pretty crazy. Um, it, you know, elbows to elbows, and it's great to see so many people love the sport of ice fishing. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing how many people show up to this event and how much money they spend. They love, they absolutely love ice fishing, and it's really great to see. One other good thing to see is a lot of kids. Good. A lot of kids and, and a lot of kids interested in, in, in asking questions and, and doing their research and looking for specific model of, of, of rod and reel. And it's, it's just great to see that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a family sport. Um, a lot of moms and dads brought their kids down. They had a good time, a lot of giveaways. Um, you know, it's, it's just great to see the sport growing. Well, and I think so much has changed with all of the new products that are out there. I mean, I remember when I first started ice fishing when I was a kid, it was me and my dad and sitting on a bucket in the middle of a lake. Well, that's not fun for kids, especially nowadays. They need something to keep them entertained. And and with all of the electronics that are out there right now, as you mentioned, a lot of the products now are real user-friendly for kids. 
And now with like a lot of these wheelhouses and stuff, people don't even call it ice fishing for the weekend anymore, Brian. It's called winter camping. And so you can take the whole family out there. So I think all of that is kind of uh, generating a lot more interest in the sport. Oh, definitely, definitely. And one thing I could I could really recommend is, you know, if you if you're taking kids out, get a camera. Kids absolutely love it when they can see fish, you know, below and they can see their baits and and they can see and you can learn a lot too. Kids can learn a lot, you know, how to jig a a, a jig and um, you know the different things that fish like to look at and and see in baits and and what they like to bite and what they don't like to bite. So, um, and it keeps the kids really busy as, as it, you know, so you can get some fishing in as well. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool thing. We're glad to see youth getting involved in that. Any buzz about any certain products down there at the St. Paul Ice Show that, uh, people were talking about all weekend, Brian? Well, you know, um, I did work the, um, Marine General booth for the striker and striker suits are always really, you know, in demand. Um, there was also the V vibe, um, crankbait, I guess you could call it a crankbait, the new lure for, uh, for underneath the water that was, that was the hot lure, and um, you know, Strike Master makes the, um, the the new auger, the forty volt lithium auger, and uh, those seem to go really well. As you know, it's kind of funny because people are really passionate about ice fishing, and they're also passionate about their um, their brands that they they're very they're very brand loyal, and um, you know, it, it's great to see because all the vendors I think did really really well this weekend. So. That's that's really great to see. You know, it's funny you mention that because it never really used to be that way. But, I mean, I liken it back to when I you – know, snowmobiling was big when I grew up in Wisconsin because that's when we used to get snow there. Um, and, I mean, you had your Articat people and you had your Polaris people, and, and neither one – there was no crossover there. You were either one or the other. So it's funny that you're mentioning with a lot of the different flashers that are out there, a lot of the different augers, ice suits, and all that stuff, people are very brand loyal now. They are. They are. And the – you know, the, the technology is just comes out and it's just getting better and better and better. And, you know, we're, we're finding fish um, easier and we're, you know, um, we're, with the help of electronics, we're able to, 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 to even tell when you don't have bait on your jig. I mean, that's how good it is now. And it's, it's you know, it's getting to the point where it's, you're pretty much watching in real time as, you know, the fish is coming in and hitting your lure. I mean, Garmin came out with a new product and I, I, I can't, remember what it's called i think it's called pan optics but it's it's crazy i mean in in you know we're, we're able to, to cut a lot more time down in in finding the fish and um you know figuring out what to use to to get them to bite i mean it's just it's 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 crazy and, and people are buying it so that's that's another good thing so people are heading up to the duluth ice show once again that's at the deck uh, this weekend in duluth brian where can they find you up there um, I will actually be at the Marine General booth again. Um, I will be, um, you know, uh, talk about striker suits and, and, and what float suits can do and, and fitting people and getting them into uh, into a new striker suit. So I encourage you to stop by and say hi to Brian. I'm sure he would greatly appreciate that. Um, let's talk a little fishing. You said you've been able to get out on some of the smaller lakes uh, down there in the Twin Cities metro, Brian. Um, how's that been going? It's been going actually really well. The bite's been really, really good. Um, I've, I've gotten into a walleye and crappie bite, um, early ice crappie bite. And, um, you know, the fish are in their predictable spots, um, you know, suspended anywhere from 19 to, to 25 feet. I've been finding them, and they're, they're, they're either coming off the bottom or they're suspended uh, pretty close to the bottom. Um, so as most of the bait's probably coming off the bottom that they're eating. Um, 
one thing that I've noticed too is that um, spoons are working really well. Um, I've been using Snyder's Lure spoons and tipping them with uh, two-year-old larvae. Um, or if it's a kind of a tougher bite, I'm going with a uh, five-millimeter tungsten jake with a soft plastic tail. Um, that seems to entice them, you know, jigging, uh, you know, really, really fast, fast and furious. That's that's kind of getting them to bite. But uh, I, I just got to say, you know, there is still a lot of sketchy ice out there. Um, you know, I in and, and, and I I highly recommend that you use all safety precautions, the buddy system, uh, spud bar. Um, if you got a throw bag, um, you know, a rope throw bag, use one of those. Uh, bring one with, and just just use a lot of caution. And one other thing, too, uh, for the spears that are out there, too, Brian, uh, you and I were talking off air. There was an instance down there where a young man went through where somebody didn't mark their spear hole. Um, he was able, you know, it came out, uh, oh, he was okay, but that could have been disastrous as well. So spears that are out there, you got to make sure and mark your holes. No, oh, definitely. You know, break that branch off and, and stick it in that uh, in that hole uh, just so people know it to be weary. Um yeah, unfortunately, this kid, uh, you know, was a special needs kid, and um, somebody didn't mark the hole, and we got that snow, and he went in. Luckily, we were able to get him out, uh, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to want to go ice fishing for a long time. Yeah. So it's very important that we that we mark our holes. You know, you did mention, too, uh, some of the jigging wraps and stuff that are big right now. That's becoming something new now in ice fishing that we really didn't have and, and use a lot here in the past few years. Would you agree, Brian? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, the, the jigging wrap is really effective um, if, it, if used in the right way. Um, I've, I, can't, I can't believe that, you know, I, I used to, I was always told that you pretty much use the smallest, the smallest jig you can find and live bait, and everything's changed. So, um, you know, and there are options now, you know, bigger spoons, there's lighted spoons, there's jigging wraps, there's, um, you name it. I mean, they're coming out with it and they're, they're catching fish on them. Yeah. So that's something that we'll definitely probably talk more about on the show here in the coming weeks. Uh, for those that maybe, because I know we do have a lot of Twin Cities listeners, uh, Brian, when you're down there, obviously we don't want you to give away the exact lakes that you're on because we don't want those to get overfished. But would you just say if people are looking at maybe getting out and, and, and maybe seeing if there's some fishable ice down there in some of those smaller lakes, just get out a map, would that be the best thing to do? Yeah, that would be the best thing to do. Find lakes that are, you know, 600 acres or less. Um, and that they're not spring-fed, and you're going to find good good fishable ice. Um, or even on the bigger lakes, uh, you know, be careful, but, but some of the bays are iced over, um, and we've got some decent ice on there. Uh, but like I said, be careful for soft spots, and especially with the snow cover now, um, you know, use a spud bar and, and, and just make sure you're cautious. Brian Koshinina with Muskies and More Guide Service in the uh, Twin Cities Metro. Brian, if people want more info on you, how can they get it? Sure, they can get me at Brian Koshinina's Muskies and More Guide Service on Facebook or Muskies and More Guide Service on the web. Or you can go to Instagram and you can get me through Instagram at Brian Koshinina's Muskies and More Guide Service. There you go. Brian Koshinina, I appreciate it, buddy. Good talking to you as always, and I'm sure we'll be chatting with you here throughout the winter. Sounds good, Brian. I appreciate it. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. This time around, our Famish Fisherman recipe, as always, Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us. Great crappie recipe this week, Joel. we got crappies and a green peppercorn sauce. So we're going to take up 
some uh, nice nice crappies. We're going to dice them up into just chunks, you know, skin them off and get nice little chunks out of them. Taste some diced shallots and some butter. Get that going in a pan. You know, throw everything in there, your shallots and your crappie. Grate a little lemon zest over top. Squeeze some lemon juice in there. Hit it with some white wine and uh, add the green peppercorns. Let it cook for just a couple of, couple of minutes. You don't want to overcook your fish or none of that, but that's all there is to it. Question for you with the wine. When when you cook with, is it something that if you, if you like to drink it, you like to cook with it? Is yeah. that kind of how you look at things? When you say a white wine, would you go with a Pinot Grigio or maybe a Chardonnay? Uh, generally, I use a Chardonnay. Do you? Um, that's just kind of what we have in the kitchen, I guess, most of the time. But whatever you like to drink, whatever you have is kind of, you know, you don't want to go out and buy something that you're only going to use once. You know, you and I, we I think a couple of weeks ago we had a beer batter recipe on, and you would use Jack Pine uh, beer, and you and I had, had asked you, you know, what kind of beer would not work for something like that, and you said basically if you like it, use it. Yeah. And that's what I've heard with cooking with wine, that's too. That's good it's, advice. Yeah. So if you like it, use it. There you go. Well, if you want to give this recipe a try and a ton of other ones, simply uh, log on to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Recipes tab. we got this one and a ton of others for you to check out. And Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, as always, Joel, thanks. Thank you, Brian. And that will put a wrap on this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Braidered Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show if you're away from your radio or out of town. BraideredOutdoorsRadio.com is where you can do that. Click on the Listen Live tab. And, of course, we are all over on demand, uh, all over Podcast One, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download podcasts, you can find Brainerd Outdoors. Just search us. Give us a great rate and review. We'd appreciate that. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.